Aislinn, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming on Salesy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I know it's going to be really juicy. Me too. For those of you who don't know, we actually live in the same town, which makes me even more excited because I feel like I have next to no business friends in Colorado Springs. And after going to coffee with you, I was like, I know this podcast is about to be juicy. Obviously the place we're going to start is how did you get started in all of this? Yeah. So for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Aislinn Eileen. I was a professional wedding photographer for 13 years. And when I was a professional wedding photographer, I was in the luxury bracket. So I was published in Martha Stewart multiple times. I was published in Southern Weddings when that was still a thing. I was published in Brides Magazine. So I have a lot of history with having really amazing luxury client experiences. I also have a lot of history of creating a business and creating a business that feels really, really freaking good to me and to my clients. So after 13 years of being in the wedding industry, I decided it was time to retire from my first career. At age 29, I retired, which is so fun. And I opened up my intuitive business coaching business, Aislinn Eileen Coaching. So now I help women in the wedding industry make their businesses feel really, really good to them. And it is so fulfilling to be able to teach them the things I learned and also to help them make business just feel a lot better. Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause I also started in the wedding industry. My first client was a hairstylist and that was something I know we bonded over because the wedding industry is no joke. It is full on. If you want a crash course and client experience and building a business and demand, that is the place to go. I know there are a lot of people out there who are like mid season pivot. What was the intuitive pull for you to decide no longer to be a photographer and then to go into coaching creatives? Yeah. I mean, I would love to sit here and say it was one thing. I would love to say that, but it wasn't. It was a million different things over the course of multiple, multiple years of being a wedding professional. But I had hit this point in my career where I had all of the accolades. Like I had done million dollar weddings. I had done weddings that got published in Martha. I had done weddings that were seven people and had the most beautiful stories during COVID. Like I had done all these things in my business that like when I was starting out at 16, I could not have ever imagined. And so I hit this point where I was like, okay, we have the accolades, we have the really cool experiences. We have like, you know, the mastery of the actual like expertise and technical skills. I want something more impactful. And I felt like with weddings, it was like, I could do 10 weddings a year and I could help 10 couples a year, but I wanted something more. And so I had a lot of people in the wedding industry who would come to me and we would do these like little coffee dates over zoom during COVID. And they would come to me and they would like, we would end the coffee date and they'd be like, wow, that felt like therapy. And I'm going to go raise my prices. (laughs) And so I hit this point where I was just like, man, like I love weddings, but I think I meant to do something with more impact and more legacy than just pretty photos. And so that was kind of the, you know, like if you're pointing to one thing, that was the mindset that was there. But if you're pointing to like all the different little things, I just hit this point where I was like, I think I'm ready for something different. I think I'm ready for something more. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like knowing you and knowing your story, you definitely have that like impact and like therapy moment, like leaving coffee. I felt like the same way, like leaving therapy minus like bawling my eyes out. (laughs) The interesting thing about you that I love about you is that you are this wildly creative person 
and you're super structured and organized and really just like hitting deadlines, getting things done. And that just speaks to like your, just your ability to grow your own business. How did you started, you know, obviously at 16, starting to build this business, but also figuring out how to like run a business with structure and organization? Yeah. Well, so when you start a business at 16, like you don't know anything, like you just don't know anything at all. Like you're fearless. Like when somebody says like, Hey, do you want to go, you know, take photos in the park? I'll pay you 50 bucks. You say yes. (laughs) So like when I was 16 and 17, like I was photographing a lot of my friends for uh, like senior portraits. And then I started doing families and then eventually I got into weddings and I was a wedding photographer in my, like my entire twenties, I was a wedding photographer. So I was doing wedding photography while I was in college. And so I would have these like, um, you know, these weddings on Saturday and I would have class on Friday and I'd have to drive to wherever the wedding was like on the next day. So like, I still had to get my classwork done and also run a business. So when I think about like the structure, it wasn't really like, it, it wasn't like this intentional thought. It was just kind of like, well, you kind of have to, <laughs> like you, you don't get a choice. Like you have to like, you know, make your grades that you need to make in college. And you also have to serve your clients. Like they're paying you to photograph like one of the most important days of their life. You can't be like, oh, sorry, I have a paper. <laughs> like I can't prepare for your wedding. <laughs> yeah, I remember that like gave me a flashback to being in college and my papers were always due Sunday night because I did a... Basically, it was for adults who were working, but I found the program and was like, cool, this is going to fit in while I work a job or multiple jobs when I was in the ski industry. And I remember one time we had to do floor set, which if you're not in retail, floor set is basically where you redo the entire store. And unfortunately, I worked with a manager who floor set was just kind of like she would she may be there. She may not be there. It was like me and the merch lead running this floor set. And I remember it was on Sunday morning at 3 a.m. And I had to drive an hour away because I was working at the outlets, which is an hour away. And I remember looking at it and having to like plan, okay, my paper needs to be done by Saturday night so that I can go do floor set because I'm not going to come home and want to write this, you know, I think it was like a four page paper, but in college, you get pretty good at it. I could whip out a four page paper pretty fast. When it comes to creatives, what are some of the pitfalls that you're seeing when, you know, they're super passionate about what they do, they start these businesses, but then kind of miss the business side of it? Yeah, what I see a lot happen is that they focus on things that aren't generating money in their business. So they focus on, oh, I'm going to redo my website every single month, and that's going to make me more money. It's like, no, it's not. They focus on, oh, I'm going to post a pretty picture on Instagram, but it has no call to action. It has no story. It has no process. It has no why. They focus on, I'm going to do coffee dates with people who could never, ever refer me because we are not in the same market or we are not in the same price bracket, but they're frienders. So it's just the thing you do, right? So I see a lot of creatives, their biggest pitfalls happen to be like not doing money generating activities but also not having structure where it's like, this week we're focusing on this thing. This day we're focusing on this thing. This hour we're focusing on this thing. This quarter we're focusing on this thing. Instead, it's just kind of this like, oh, it's August. Now what? <laughs> like It's kind of this very like, well, the universe will tell me what to do, right? And it's like, no, absolutely not. Like you are your own boss. And I think a lot of people in the creative industry don't want to be the boss because there's some kind of like mindset around like bosses not being like 
nice or whatever. That's so interesting. I don't know if you ever do this, but I do this all the time where I'm like, my boss gave me the day off or like, if I don't hit this deadline, my boss is going to be really pissed off. And everybody, people who don't know me, they'll be like, oh, your boss sounds really cool. Or they'll be like, your (laughs) boss sounds like kind of a jerk. If my significant other is with me, he'll be like, to clarify, Megan is her own boss. She's talking about herself. And it's that what makes me think of it. It's so interesting, though, that there is this negative connotation around being the boss or having structure or getting out of the flow. And what I find, and I think you also align with that as well, is that like structure is function and it does create flow and it does give you so much more freedom versus not. When you talk about, you know, focusing on this thing daily or this thing weekly or even this thing quarterly, someone who's a creative, whether they're wedding or not, what are some of the things that they could start focusing on to structure that and some maybe methodologies that you teach that would help them? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a program called Agile. It's mostly meant for wedding professionals, but if you're in the creative industry, even if you're a coach, you would get something out of this program because essentially what I'm teaching you is some of the different systems that like people use outside of our industry for task management. So one of the systems that I teach is called the Eisenhower matrix. And you might not be familiar with the word, but you're probably familiar with the concept. And essentially you look at your task list and you say, is this urgent? Is this important? Is this not urgent? Is this not important? And it makes this little like quadrant. And if it's in a specific quadrant, you're gonna do different things with it. So like, if you have something that isn't urgent and it isn't important, it doesn't need to be on your task list or it could be delegated possibly. But if you have something that comes up that is urgent and important, that's probably going to bump some things on your list down the list a little bit and that's gonna go further up the list. But what happens so often with creatives is they'll get an email from some random person in the industry or some friend or whatever that's like, hey, I need your attention right now. I need you to do this thing right now. And they immediately think this is urgent and this is important. And they go do that task and they spend brain power on that task instead of spending brain power on the things that are going to help them make more money in their business or have a better client experience. So that's like one of the big things that I teach my clients is task management, because I think that um, as creatives, sometimes task management can kind of fall to the wayside if you're not being intentional with it. I think task management is probably one of the hardest things. And I think a lot of people learn it outside before you come into business. I know that was something when I came in, a lot of people were like, how do you do this? And part of my brain had been like trying to figure out how to do all these tasks for 11 months when I was managing with ADHD and having, you know, when you're managing 40 plus bodies who come in and out of the building and then you have a member base like I did. And then on top of that, you know, my first, my first official management job, we did a price increase in the middle of the year. And oh yeah, we had to manually change every single member and make sure it was done. Oh my, it was a nightmare. (laughs) That's one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with because the other thing is, is being ruthless with your schedule when it's not urgent and it's not important. This is just a little random, but I feel like it does tie in. Are you an inbox zero person? Yes. Yeah. I, I, uh, I did that a couple of years ago and it is like, gives me so much life. Like we were talking about this, like before uh, we started this podcast about how she might've sent me an email and I was like, Oh, I think I archived that. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, I will if you send me an email, it will be seven to 10 business days and it will not be me replying because I don't even, I don't do it. Email's not urgent and not important for me. So I don't do it. 
but that again is going to be flexing towards the person. When it comes to starting to build these systemize and customize it, what do you tell your clients or just people on the internet who are listening? Can you clarify a little bit? Yeah. Like when it comes to say, I'm going to sit down and completely brain dump and do it. How would I structure this to me and, or how would I know what is the most important tasks to start with and how to start slotting them? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of different ways that you could do this, but one of the ways that I have found most helpful is to have an actual piece of paper on your desk. And I have like one of those little legal pads that I write stuff down on. And at the top, I, I write down brain dump. And then I write down literally every possible task that is in my brain. And that can literally be like, if my dogs have a grooming appointment, that's going to be on this list. If my husband has a surgery appointment, that's going to be on this list. If like I have an email that I need to send to a planner, that's going to be on this list. If I have an automation for a course that I'm creating, that's going to be on this list. So you just brain dump literally everything. And then you look at the list and you start to prioritize and you can put little, like little stars next to the things that are actually things that you want to do first. And then you take all of the things that are super important and super urgent, meaning they have a time sensitivity to them and they're actually important to your business. You take those and you put them on a separate piece of paper. So you can, if you have something like online, like Notion or ClickUp or Trello, you can put it there if you want to, or if you have physical planner, you can put it there. Um, I have the uh, the full focus planner and that helps me a lot with like my brain list is on the right, <laughs> my brain dump list is like on the right hand side of my desk. And then the full focus planner stays on the left side. So I kind of just like have this like physical transfer back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> like we're dancing back and forth between like my brain dump over here, I'm crossing stuff off. And as I cross stuff off, I put it over here into like my actual it's getting done list. Yeah, I do the same thing, but it's click up brained up and yeah. click up and then we put it in sprints and then it's like nothing else will go on once the weekly to-dos are set nothing else goes on it unless it is like an actual full-blown emergency that's something that I think is you get in the trap of when you start using a to-do list is that you make it like never ending and for me mm-hmm. I have to have I have to have a clear start and stop I have to be like, okay, this is all that I'm doing. Something we kind of talked about and bonded over is agile and you teach agile methodology. And this is kind of a part of it. How would you kind of encourage someone, maybe if they're listening and they're like, I've tried this, I'm not super organized or structural like this. I'm more of a creative brain. What would you kind of say to them? Yeah. I think the first thing is to let go of that mindset that this isn't for you. I think like saying the words, I am a creative, so I don't have to be organized is letting yourself never have to learn the skills of becoming more organized. It is a default system that is going to continue unless you decide to change the mindset. So I think that's the first thing is there is a mindset piece to it. You do not have to be the most organized person in the absolute world in order to be more organized in your life. One of the things that I found super, super helpful was visual representations. So a lot of times when clients come to me and they're like, I'm so overwhelmed, I'll be like, well, do you have a quarterly planner that you can look at? Or do you have a planner where you have like a list of all the things that you need to do? And they'll be like, no, I haven't done that yet. And I'm like, okay. Take it from your brain first and put it on paper before you start to be like, I have to be more organized. Like just start to do the messy work of brain dumping to get stuff on paper. And I think that's going to be the very, very first step is just being willing to 
make it messy. Like there is nothing cute about my legal pad brain dump to the right on my desk. It's not cute. It's not organized. doesn't have stickers. It's just a piece of paper, guys. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, I think a lot of people get very much type A. I'm not a type A person. People may say I'm type A. I just have, when you have a lot of balls up in the air, running a business, being a person, if you're creative, you have so many different things going on. It's like, you kind of have to organize all of them or you're going to drop one and then you're going to drop all of them. And that's the thing I think a lot of people get hung up on is aesthetic and making it the prettiest thing ever versus making it functional. Yeah. And then also just like being willing to delegate. There are some things on your task list that I can almost guarantee that someone can either do it better or they can do it faster than you. And if you are the CEO of your business and you're building something that isn't just a hobby on the side, it's not just a side hustle, you have to be willing to delegate because you are the boss of your business. Ooh, delegation. That was something that I struggled with in management. And then I struggled with it in my business. What's kind of things that you would recommend your clients outsourcing or delegating and kind of the mindset around that? I know you kind of touched on it, but as they're literally handing it over, how do they let go of it and not like hyper obsess about it? Yeah, I think it's this trust process of I am the visionary of my business, which means that I get to have team members who are going to support the business. So being able to trust that like maybe they don't do it right on the very first time, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth your time to teach that person and train that person to become a more integral part of your business. So I think that's the first, like the mindset piece there. And then the second thing is it kind of just depends on what your business is. So if you're a coach, your delegation items are going to look different than if you're a wedding photographer. So if you're a wedding photographer, your delegation items might be like editing. Editing can definitely be outsourced. I edited for the last three years when I was making, uh, gosh, 10 to $17,000 for my weddings. I delegated editing and I also delegated culling, which is like going through the photos and picking the best ones. I delegated that to my husband. I trained him. I paid him. He was the one who was doing those things because I had other things that I had to do. So that was one of the things that we delegated. We also, I also delegated out um, certain emails and certain automated processes uh, to an office manager. Technically, the office manager was me and my husband. Like it was the same email. I was the one who was writing the emails, but it was easier to answer client emails when it wasn't coming from me as the business owner. It was coming from an uh, office manager. So that's one of the things that we delegated slash kind of outsourced. And then as a coach, there's so many things that you could delegate, but also know your season. If you are two months into being a business owner, it might not be time yet to delegate. I heard a really long time ago, uh, one of my coaches had told me like, you need to master the skill set before you delegate it out. So if you want to delegate out marketing or sales, you need to master that skill set first so you can train the person that you were giving that off to. Yes. And if it's sales and you're in your first five years, the answer is probably no, you don't need to outsource it. There is a very big push right now to outsource sales to a better team, all these things. As a business owner, sales is communication. And if you are not physically selling to the client, you are selling to the team. You are like, it is communication at its core. And I think so many business owners struggle with that. And that's something I had a friend even text me today and she's like, how do I answer this question? And I shot off a response and she's like, how'd you do that? And I was like, 
This is a question I've experienced before. And I was like, communication, this is like your most foundational skill. I also don't agree with outsourcing marketing right now. If your marketing is to the point where you need to fully outsource it, then yes. But I think a lot of people are so quick in the online space. And this is my personal soapbox. I think in the online space, we're very quick to outsource to kind of prove versus like understanding. Do I have a full understanding of this? Do I know what I'm outsourcing? And when I'm handing it off to someone, do I fully trust them? Because that is a really big factor you outsourcing, but then the person also delivering on that and not feeling like their clients breathing down their neck because you didn't like your manager doing that. Why are you now doing it to your client? Yeah. And I would say like, if you're like kind of in the first five years of your coaching business and you're looking at outsourcing, I would look at like workflows and tech people. I think that would be a perfect place to start outsourcing. I think having a virtual assistant would be really good so that you can have clients have a way to like contact your team without it being directly like a message to you. Um, what else would I outsource? I would, I would maybe outsource graphics if it's not something that you're really good at, but also like you don't have to have good graphics to be a good salesperson. No, you don't look at my graphics. They're terrible. They've always, they have improved though. In the last year, I would say my graphic game is like stepping up, but like that's something graphics and aesthetics. It really is the words versus like the actual graphic. And I think people get so hung up on like Instagram being so aesthetic and everything. When it comes to your own business and just everything what would you say are like three processes that you have in place now as a coach that really help you? Yeah. Um, so I would say like processes that are really helpful for me is AB scheduling. This is something I started doing like maybe in the past, like three or four months or so, but it has drastically freed up my time and my energy. So AB scheduling is where you have like an A week and a B week. And so on A weeks, I take on one-on-one calls. I have my group scheduled call with my clients. uh, And that's also the week that I'll take on like podcast interviews. And then a B week is where I am doing things like batching content, or I'm recording tradings, or I'm doing anything that doesn't require me to like be like in the forefront of my business. Um, Typically those are the weeks I wear less makeup too, which is always nice. (laughs) So I I have um, A and B weeks. So I think that's one of the very big processes that I um, have implemented that's been super helpful. Uh, Let's see, what are the other processes that I have implemented? So I started doing CEO days, which was really helpful to make that switch over too. So I schedule our house cleaner, I schedule hair appointments or doctor's appointments or nail appointments or dog grooming appointments, or my husband needs new clothes appointments. Like those things all get scheduled on the same day and I don't take calls on those days. So I'm in Voxer with my clients, but I don't have to be like at my desk on those days. And then as far as like final processes that have helped, um, I am going to be implementing ClickUp pretty soon. I do not have it set up yet, but I do have an OBM who's going to be helping me set it up. And I am so excited to be able to brain dump in a way that it's going to actually end up on my calendar. Oh man, I could do a whole separate episode on ClickUp. I built our entire ClickUp infrastructure when I worked in ops very briefly. I built their infrastructure like ClickUp. mm, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm not a Notion girly. This is like an unpopular opinion, but I think building notions are a waste of time. That's just me. Asana had a really good opportunity. They didn't take it, but ClickUp, I am like the biggest stand for ClickUp. So I'm so, your visual brain will physically love it. And the fact that they have built in agile inside of it with the sprint methodology, 
sold. The interesting thing is, is that all of these things have some form of scheduling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. You were saying that you're not a notion girly. I was a notion girly last year and then I stopped using it because it wasn't pulled up on my desktop anymore and I stopped using it. And I was like, could we come on brain? Like, you know, it still exists just because you can't see it like on your computer screen. <laughs> so that's why I'm really excited about ClickUp is because you can have it uh, like put task on your actual calendar, which I'm like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> Oh, you can put tasks on your calendar. You can schedule things inside of it. I don't know if Notion has, but they have like an actual physical application. So I can have ClickUp open and not have a browser open, which is nice when I'm doing like some content creation because like, as I said, I have ADHD. So the internet could be very distracting when I'm trying to like do something that I don't want to do, or it's like something that I have to map out. What would you say to someone who maybe, you know, they are creative, they love the fun and the flow, and they don't want to start scheduling their days? Yeah, I would say, why not? Why not? Like, what's the real reason you don't want to schedule your day? Is it because you're afraid that you're going to over schedule yourself and you're not going to have fun anymore? Because you can literally schedule fun into your into your schedule. Like, like, I kid you not, like, I don't have this on my calendar, but like, I work most days, like I wake up in the morning around 530. I go to the gym, I don't talk to another human being until 8am because I know better. I know better than to send emails or talk to people before I've had coffee. And then I like do all my client calls, I do all my work, blah, blah, blah. And then around three o'clock in the afternoon. That's when I get to go read for as long as I want. I sit on my couch and I read and I bake cookies and I go for walks with my dogs and I go to the gym if I haven't gone in the morning. Like I have the time of my life between like three o'clock and like five o'clock and then dinner and all the rest of the stuff we do in the afternoon. But if you think that you have to like overly schedule yourself from the time you wake up all the way till like the end of the day, you don't. You can literally schedule in fun things. So that's the thing I would say to someone who doesn't want to be scheduled is why not? And then start small. So start small. If you can start waking up around the same time every day, doesn't have to be 6am. If you're a 10am person, that's fine. Just start waking up at the same time. Stop trying to be like, oh, I wake up at seven some days and I wake up at six some days and I work at, wake up at 1230 some days. Like try to be more regimented in the beginning part of your day and watch how the rest of your day starts to feel better because you have that routine in the morning. So even if you don't schedule the rest of your day, schedule your mornings to feel really good. I would agree with that. If you can see me, I'm like nodding the whole time because I wasn't, I wasn't a habit person. I wasn't a routine person. I wasn't like going to schedule everything. In fact, when I went into business, I was like, oh, like I have so much more freedom. And then I found just that impending doom of like, what do I do? When do I do it? decision fatigue is very real. I understand why Steve Jobs wears all black. Like I, I got yeah. into my second year of business and I was like, I understand this because you don't want to have to make one more decision that day. I think the hard thing for so many people though, is that adopting a mindset that one, you can schedule fun in. I do the same thing. I have a red block in my calendar. That is like, you are done. If this block, if your line is in this block, you get to leave. And I actually will put in like where I am at sometimes like this is where I am or, you know, fun things. But the thing a lot of people don't realize too, when it comes to being a creative is you have to give yourself a space to show up, work on the business, be the business owner, be the CEO, and then also have the space to be the person, but it's not just going to miraculously happen. 
And to be the bearer of bad news, a lot of your stress is caused by lack of systems and functions and habits and just structuring Mm -hmm. yourself in a way that works for you versus trying to work against you. And even something simple as waking up at the same time every single day is actually really good, not only for your business, but for your mental health. And that's, it's a hard pill to swallow, but I think every business owner at some point has looked at their schedule and went, I can work all the time. Doesn't mean I should be working all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think like for me, it's, it's, the kind of meaner mentality around it is like, you're not a kid. You're not a kid. Like you can take control of your schedule. You absolutely can. Even if you have ADHD, even if you have any kind of neurodivergence, like you can be more in control than you are feeling right now. Even if it's just one tiny step towards what you're trying to work towards. If you're like a person who like currently doesn't schedule anything or currently is kind of like, oh, I wake up whenever I feel like it or anything like that. The goal isn't to get you to wake up at 6 a.m. every day, go to the gym, lift really heavy and sit down for eight hours and like produce the most fantastic content. The goal is starting your day a little bit softer, starting your day, doing things that make you feel good, starting your day at the same time so that you're teaching your body, you're teaching your mind. Hey, I can trust myself to set up a routine that feels good for me. When it comes to all of this, because this is like not the common approach for wedding creatives or business owners uh, or even creatives, I think back to like my client that I had and me being like, hey, you have to sit down and create a schedule beyond, she was a hairstylist, being like beyond when you have to be at the salon, it would have blown her mind. What kind of inspired you to start doing this? Like what, if there was a book that was the gateway book or a program, but then also just like, Did you have a moment where you're like, hey, I can't do what I'm doing anymore. Like, this isn't helping me. Yeah. I mean, so again, I started my business at 16. So like a lot of this was very gradual um, over time, just recognizing what worked for me and what didn't work for me. And then also being in college and like being on that very strict schedule of you have class at this time, you have extracurriculars at this time, you're traveling on these days, like knowing those things, it made me want to be more in control of um how my schedule went so i think that would be the first part of it as far as like books i don't think i don't know that i ever read any books about it so i think we talked about this like when we had our coffee date uh but i come from a family who are literally like rapid acquisitions and like agile strategy people and my husband is a software engineer so like these are kind of things that are in other industries that aren't talked about in the creative industry that i just kind of picked up because of like who I'm very close to. Um, But as far as like programs or like books, like I think it was more just kind of like learned behaviors and also just like trial and error over years and years and years of trial and error. That's what my brain was like blocking for some reason. I was like, I know agile and I know the husband, but I was like, what was the other piece that we had talked about? For those of you who are listening, who don't know what agile is, it's a methodology that came out of software engineering that focuses on task management. So traditionally what is taught is waterfall, which is kind of stage-by-stage approach. But when you work in something like software engineering, which my dad actually does, that's my dad actually taught me agile, which he redeemed himself from terrible fourth grade math teacher to taught me agile really well and taught me task management really well. 
it really helps you being able to work on multiple projects or my dad works in IT. So he is constantly testing and deploying software. And so he can't just focus on one system over and over and over in that kind of environment. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about agile and sprints and those types of things. What's like a little tidbit you would leave someone with? You are someone who I feel like you really embody both creative and organization. What would you leave them with? Yeah, I think I would say it gets to work for you. It gets to work for you. There are a lot of people out there who are creatives who think that, oh, because I have ADHD or neurodivergence or I'm a creative or I'm just scatterbrained or I'm not type A, they think that somehow this isn't going to ever work for them. And I want you to know that just because the way I talk about it might work for me doesn't mean that it's going to work for you, but that shouldn't keep you from trying on that hat and deciding, is this for me or is this not for me? And when you try on the hat of AB scheduling and you're like, yes, this is something I want to keep doing in six months from now, if it's not working for you, you get to try something different. I think there's this like very black and white thinking of like, oh, well, if I do this, then I have to employ this in my business forever and ever and ever. And it's like, no, you get to reinvent yourself. You get to reinvent the systems that work for you in the season that you're in. So I think I think the biggest thing I would say is no more black and white thinking about this. But also I would say know the season you're in and start to be more intentional with recognizing what season you're in. Like, are you in Q4? of 2023 what do you want to accomplish in q4 of 2023 like what are the systems that you want to employ in this like quarter like what are the habits that you want to start like practicing and just being willing to be really bad at it at first and being willing to be like oh ab scheduling is actually like kind of difficult that might not work for me but being willing to be bad at it to see if it works for you instead of just immediately cutting it off I think just that kind of like willingness to be curious and willingness to try things is one of the biggest things that you can do for yourself. I would definitely agree. I don't do AB scheduling, but I take one week off at the end of the month. And let me tell you, like we are six months in and I think I finally have a week where it's not actually doing anything. You have to be willing to try, but black and white thinking is the all or nothing is very human. And that's where I think a lot of people forget that you are human first, but you can feel so much more freedom for those of the people who you talked to. And this was something we kind of talked about in the coffee chat. What would you kind of say if they said like ADHD or being neurodivergent can't help me do this, or I can't do this because I'm neurodivergent? Yeah, I would say that your ADHD or neurodivergence is a superpower. And there are so many freaking cool things about how your brain works. And it is amazing to see how your brain works. And I would encourage you to look at the articles that are encouraging curiosity rather than the articles and TikToks and media that are saying that this is somehow not making you good enough in some way, because that is not the truth. I know so many people in the coaching industry and the wedding photography and the wedding industry who have some kind of neurodivergence and they are amazing people who have systems that work for them. So I think just being so willing to be curious and start to change the narrative around what this could look like for you. Just because what you've tried in the past hasn't worked doesn't mean that there aren't systems out there that could work for you. I feel like I'm going to cry. I feel like you're talking to me. I feel like it's so beautiful. Yeah. And if you're consuming TikTok for ADHD, just stop. 
They're <laughs> the armchair therapists are my least favorite people in the world. Really look into there is a lot of research around it. As someone who grew up with it, there was not when I was a kid. It was like, hey, here's your Ritalin, Concerta, <laughs> whatever script we want to give you, and then like figure it out. Like there is a lot of opportunity, and the people who you admire probably have systems in place. All of us Mm -hmm. do and whatever level of rigidity that you want is going to work for you. I will say on the other side though, it is very freeing. And those days you don't feel like showing up or don't doing work. Like it's okay. You just look at the calendar. This may be me more structured. You're like, okay, I got my deep work block. I got some podcast interviews and then I'm done. And that's the enjoyable part about this. If someone has fallen in love with you and is ready to consume more of you, where can they find you? Yeah. So you guys can come find me on Instagram at Aislinn Eileen Coaching. And that's where I hang out basically all the time. And what do you have in the pipeline if they're listening and they want to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a signature program that is meant for wedding professionals. However, if you're a creative, that doesn't exclude you from being in it. And it's called Success Accelerator Program. So it's a mini mind style format for four months. And we really dive deep into energetics. We dive deep into strategy and we dive deep into mindset. And it's basically like the incubator for your success. Like it is where we will shift so many things and you will become that next level version of yourself and gain skills that you need for that next level version of yourself. So that's coming up very soon. And then I have a Q4 mastermind, which is going to be the highest level proximity that people are going to be able to have to me. And it is something that is so near and dear to my heart. I am so excited to run this mastermind because I really want to see women be able to step into that CEO mindset and that CEO scalability that they need. And it starts with like, you know, teams and systems and scaling, but it also comes down to leadership and empowerment and being able to have those deeper conversations that you're going to be able to bring into your own business. And it's going to shift the way that you work inside your business and on your business. So those are the things that I have coming up. I just got like chills, but I'm also like, I am a number one stand for masterminds. Like, I feel like I grew up as a business owner so much being in a mastermind room because masterminds are so interesting because it's like, you're in a room full of women, which normal people aren't going to get in a room full of other successful women and not try to compare yourself. But then you learn so much about how to, you know, if you're having the greatest day in the world, how to hold that, but also be empathetic and compassionate towards somebody else or even there's times I've showed up to the call and been like, she's having a great day and I'm like ready to burn my business down. So for those of you who, if you've never had a mastermind or you're like feeling the pull, I promise you it is one of the best things you will ever invest in, in your business. And I've invested in a lot of things. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I was in a mastermind for a year and a half and like, I don't recognize the person I was before that mastermind because of the way I had to hold myself through like the hard things and the way I held myself through the like celebrations was so different than I'd ever done before because you're surrounded by these women who are just navigating life in a way that's different than most other humans are ever going to navigate life and it really really changes your perspective so if you've never been in a mastermind you should absolutely get into one that feels good to you and make sure that like the coach is like you know aligned with what you're wanting but it's it's one of the best investments you can make I'd say masterminds over one-on-one, to be honest. Oh, 100%. 100%. We could do a whole other episode about that because it's also like 
you just, I feel like you and I have the same feeling about it. It's like, if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you haven't been in the right room yet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been in different masterminds and like, they're all different flavors, but you just have to like find what works for you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was such a fun conversation. Yay.